When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I teach people how to use gross motor skills because a self-defense situation is one of those stressful situations and your fine motor skills go out the window. That is not the time for somebody that thinks they want to be a leader to be a leader. The time to develop leadership skills is now. It happened suddenly and before he knew it, his car had flipped over and he was head upside down. So many bad decisions that were made by this person that put him in a position where he had to do something where he cut his own arm off. Hey guys, welcome to the Survival Show podcast with Craig, David, and producer Ben, where it's our job to take you step-by-step through the tactics, gear, skills, and mindset you need to survive any crisis, emergency, or disaster, and show you how to use the lessons you learned today to thrive in your life tomorrow. So guys, I'm here with my new Gear Tears mug for our new segment and Craig, Craig came up with this new segment. Craig, and the question everybody wants to know the answer to today is, how was your workout? It was actually fantastic. Thank you for asking. It was, uh, I'm, I'm incorporating some more hit into my workout every day. So I'm, I'm throwing a sandbag around and pummeling on a, a grappling dummy. And people in the gym think I'm a little bit crazy, but that's all right. That Dude, is all You're, you're right. a beast. And producer Ben, how was your workout today? Dude, my workout was amazing. It was Whatever. it was all all cardio today because yeah. I wanted yeah. I do legs, cardio, and upper body. So today was cardio, and it went amazing. I felt great. <laughs> That's great. So Craig, you want to tell the guys a little bit more about this podcast? Oh yeah, absolutely. Our mission is to help everybody listening to progressively increase your survival IQ so you can leave out of here after listening better prepared at the end of the show than you were at the beginning. And coming up next, we're going to be talking about STOPA and mindset. If you don't know what STOPA is, you will certainly know what it is by the end of today and the kind of things that we need to know to build that bulletproof mindset. We're also going to do our break it down segment where we deconstruct a real life survival story. And before we're done, we'll dip into the mailbag for a question or two from you all, as well as, as David alluded to earlier, we're going to be doing a thumbs up or thumbs down new segment. So we're going to be talking about some things where, whether it's gear or some sort of skill where David and I go to head to head and give it a thumbs up or a thumbs down. We'll see if it's two thumbs up or two thumbs down or a mix of the two before we're done for the day. So before we get in to all of that beautiful stuff, David, tell us about how everybody here can get more out of this podcast. Okay, guys, I want to let you know that there's so much more to this podcast over at patreon.com forward slash the survival show, where we've literally put together a self-paced preparedness and personal development training system that you need to tap into, starting with our guide notes for each show that include the tips, tactics, skills, action steps, kit checklists, 
and links to any gear that we discuss. And remember, from the show notes, you can build a complete survival and preparedness reference guide as you listen. And we actually publish the notes at the same time as this podcast goes live, so you can follow along and take your own notes as you go. You can also unlock our disaster plan checklist that we discussed in podcast three, the skill of the month video, two personal self-defense videos, and then there's subscriber-only podcasts and a lot more. So I'm going to ask you right now to scan down to the description of this podcast and click the link while you're listening and go over to patreon.com to unlock subscriber content, great rewards, and ways to get involved with the survival show. And you can get some free content now and get going on a lot more for as little as a dollar a month. That's 25 cents a week. So go ahead and go over to patreon.com, the survival show now, or use the link in the podcast description. All right, guys. So thanks, David, for for all that. That's important, guys. Everybody listening, this has got to be a win-win. We're throwing out a ton of information, and we greatly appreciate that $1 support or wherever. Those upper-tier folks, I see you. I know who you are. Thank you. We appreciate it. But let's let's dig into this topic for the day because this is this is really close to me, and I want to make sure that this is understood to be one of the most important aspects of survival, and it also happens to be the most overlooked, and that is the topic of survival mindset. So the reason I believe we're going to be to digging deep into this topic several times is for that very reason. Most people overlook this. They understand that survival mindset is important, but they don't know how to go about uh, building their mindset. So we're going to dig into this subject on a regular basis. Uh, one of the things that continually comes up in, if you read survival stories and how you see people that survive versus those that don't, more often than not, it's not skill or it's not gear. More often than not, it's mindset. And so uh, in these survival situations, a lot of the people that end up perishing, not making it out, were due to some sort of survival mindset. They gave up or they made inappropriate decisions. Um, the reason we cover things the way that we do is we want to help people develop a system, a very systematic way of thinking, because under stress, we have to. Uh, there are some things that we can do physically, uh, including up to uh, self-defense training where we go through physical motion and we develop an ability to physiologically develop skills. But in this particular instance, what we're going to be discussing today are systems and ways of thinking, how to develop a critical thinking skill set, because that's incredibly vital. And we're going to start that off today with what we refer to as STOPA. So, David, won't you tell everybody what STOPA is? So, STOPA. S-T-O-P-A. Let's think of it like that. It's an acronym that helps us understand how to handle ourselves in any given survival situation. Actually, it helps a lot in any stressful situation in general. It was originated by the U.S. military as only S-T-O-P. Craig and other survival instructors, thank you, Craig, have added the A specifically to address uh, mindset for the civilian audience, the general public. And this acronym represents the following. S is for stop slash sit down. And we're going to go over these in detail coming up here. T stands for think. O stands for observe. P stands for plan. And A stands for act or actively stay alive in your mind. Craig, do you have more to add to that? 
Yeah, uh, just to be clear, Dave, and and thank you for saying that, David. It was it's important to understand that this is old school methodology that came from the United States military, and it's good. Uh, from my perspective, the United States military is one of the best entities in the world at developing. Well, any military for that matter, but U.S. military is fantastic at developing ways for people to think and do things under stress because war is stressful. And so they have to come up with ways to handle soldiers or Marines or any number of different military personnel on how to handle themselves in stressful situations. And, and stop, stop came up in the survival schools, in the SEER schools. And it was just a simple way. It's not, it's not taught anymore. I know that for a fact. Uh, they use other methods now. But, but uh, I think it's a fantastic way to help the general public, the average ordinary civilian like me, like you, like the, the general populace out there, to understand what we need to do in any given survival situation. But again, as you alluded to, in any stressful situation for that matter. So if, if by breaking these down, I think we need to take a look at each particular portion of this acronym. Craig, can I just jump in here real yeah, quick? Please. At one of the trainings that we, we did together with Clint, one of our students, I believe it was two or three days after the training, and we, we go through this STOPA in the training, two days after that disastrous car wreck where it just happened, obviously it happened suddenly, and he, before he knew it, his car had flipped over and he was head upside down. And in that situation, his mind went to what he had just learned at the training and he ran through these steps upside down in the car and was able to manage himself out of the car and uh, utilize what he had, get to clear thinking, observe, plan, and he activated a plan that got him out of that car before he lost his life. So just nice. want to let you know that this is not just for the military. This is something that works in almost any stressful situation and can get you headed in the right direction. Yeah, and I and I think um, I, I didn't mean to suggest that this is just for military. Obviously, I teach a lot of civilians this material, and it's not just uh, a wilderness. I've gotten off on the wrong trail type of survival daily. Like we all are surviving every day, every single day. We're all making decisions to, that affects our survival, and so whether it's a, a good relationship at home. Uh, stope is going to play out there. If you do get lost on a hike, it's going to play out there. If you're having an incredibly stressful meeting today at work and you've got to make that PowerPoint presentation and you're not breathing properly, well, you're not surviving to your maximum capacity. So stope is going to play out there as well. So the reason I really like it is because it focuses on how to control some physiological things that happen to us. Okay. And particularly the S, which is again, stop or sit down is there for that very reason. Because what happens to us under a tremendous amount of stress or even small amounts of stress, if you don't know how to handle it, is that a lot of physiological things happen to us. We get auditory exclusion, which means we were able to hear all these things that were going on around us, and now we don't hear everything that's going on around us. We get tunnel vision. Tunnel vision is we can usually see at least out 180 degrees to the, our side without moving our head. Man, when we get stressed, tunnel vision focuses 
basically in a, a grapefruit sized hole directly in front of your face and out. And you miss a lot of what's going on to your side. Your blood pressure rises. And when your blood pressure rises, it's there as a defense mechanism. You have an adrenaline dump, which makes you a lot stronger than you were before it happened. And any but number motor of skills things, decrease. Oh yeah. And you have a tremendous decrease in fine motor skills. Uh, gro- motor skills. Gross yep. motor skills are still going to be there. And that's why, that's why I teach fighting the way I do, which is, I know you didn't intend it to be, which is a good reason to check out the the uh, self-defense videos over on Patreon because I, I teach people how to use gross motor skills because a self-defense situation is one of those stressful situations and your fine motor skills go out the window. I taught martial arts and have been teaching martial arts for nearly 25 years now. And a lot of that is based upon fine motor skills. Martial arts training is different, in my opinion, than self-defense training. And self-defense training, you've got to tap into those gross motor skills. Somebody that's done 25 years, 30 years, even 15 years of martial arts can probably pull out those fine motor skills, but the rest of us can't. And so we need we need to tap into those gross motor skills. And, and, and just to indicate what, what I mean by gross motor skills is anything where you're going to be utilizing your fingers, like utilizing a phone or fumbling with your keys and pushing the unlock button or actually sticking a key in a door and unlocking it. That kind of motor skills goes out the window when you're stressed. And so we've got to be able to, to uh, get back to where we can have our fine motor skills. Cause that could be something as simple as utilizing a lighter to start a fire, zipping up a coat, tying our boot that is untied, any number of things that are, are little problems that can grow into big problems just because our fine motor skills are out the window. That is exactly why we need to stop and sit down. When when we do that, we do get back all of our hearing. Our tunnel vision goes back out to where it's supposed to be. Our blood pressure decreases. The adrenaline that was in our body as a dump spreads out and starts to clear out. Our heart rate is going to decrease. And so we start to get back physiologically where we need to be to be able to make good decisions. Um, how long does this take? It's different for everybody. So what I suggest people do is unless imminent danger is happening, meaning unless somebody's trying to shoot you, run you over with a car, or you're falling down a river in a rapid or some variation of it, and your life is in imminent danger, you just take a minimum of 15 minutes. That 15 minutes is going to take care of all those physiological problems, and that way you can start making proper decisions. All right, so that is S. David, won't you take us through T, the think portion of STOPA? Yeah, sure. I'll get us started at least on T. T is for think. This is where we remind ourselves, intentionally look around us and uh, see what we have, see what our surroundings look like. So I'm going to give a hat tip right now to, I learned this from Les Stroud. Les Stroud uses a term called zones of assessment. I think that's a pretty good term for this. So when we think, we want to look at what we have. How can it be used? Uh, take a look at how do we feel now that we've sat down and are we thinking clearly and what do you need? And so this is the point where you really want to look clearly at your surroundings. You just want to start systematically going through what you have available to you. What do you see around you that can be used, whether it's an urban situation, whether it's a wilderness situation, or whether you're in a car that's flipped over on its back? What do you have? What do you need to do? So EDC gear, we've talked about that in past podcasts. You want to look at your EDC gear. You want to check your pockets. You want to check your pack if you have one. All of those sorts of things that engages your mind, even if you have something like a small survival guide, like our our tiny guide that's coming out in January, February. Those things help to focus your mind 
and get you clearly thinking realistically about your situation. Craig, do you have anything else to add to that? Not to T, because you're already digging into O a little bit, but that's good. I it, did, I did. No, that's okay. <laughs> this is all real good, because although this is an acronym, S-T-O-P-A, and each one has its own clear delineation, it's not clear in real life. Uh, it's not like you systematically spend 15 minutes on S and then 10 minutes on T. <laughs> uh, you need to be doing That's these. Right. You basically need to be doing these all the time. And so if this is a new concept to you all, the way we like to teach things is, you know, you sit down, you stop for S, you think about what's on your body, what's in your pack, what kind of gear you have with you. You're probably going to recognize that you're missing some things. You're going to go, oh, man, I wish I had some food or, oh, I wish I had some water. And so that's what the O is for. The O is for observing your surroundings and going in detail and finding the things that you did not have in your kit. That's why it's important that you pay attention at all times looking for danger. It's really important. I call it left of bang when I'm teaching active shooter or situational awareness, which, and that's a concept the United States Marine Corps came up with. Well, I don't know that they came up with it, but they made it more famous than anything is being left of bang, which basically just means you want to be more proactive than reactive. You don't want to be in a situation where, oh man, I need fire building supplies. And now you start looking for fire building supplies. Uh, I suggest this to people on a, when they're hiking, if you're on a hike and you're on a trail, for example, and you pass a cedar tree, then note it in your mind. And that way, you know, Hey, that's a great place to find some fire starting material, even in wet conditions. People that are interested in survival from an urban perspective, just if you're on a road trip, make note of where a gas station is, even when you may or may not have cell service to look it up. And so, you know, it's very important. And, and I did this very exact thing last night. I mean, I went to a location, was meeting some people. We're going to be teaching a series of corporate survival courses where we do executive management training. And I'd been, it was an hour and a half away from my home and it was way, way back in the boonies of Kentucky. Beautiful location, but I'd never been there before. Didn't know what to expect. And it's one of those things where the guy told me, when you turn off the main road, you'll be on the gravel road for a while. So what is a while? I don't know what a while is. I know what it is to me. I don't know what it is to him. I was on a gravel road for like five miles to get back to this location. So had had I not in that in my mind getting prepared to go there, I made sure I had plenty of gas to go back because a while could be five miles. So I was prepared for that, and that's just paying attention to what's going on in our surroundings, and I know where the gas stations are and and other things of that nature. Another one is a to pay attention to your surroundings is just watch the weather. Weather is the thing, uh, thermal regulation is the thing that kills most people in the outdoors, particularly, uh, even those in an urban setting that are dealing with disaster readiness. So just get get an app. I know we've talked about this a couple of times, but just get an app and, and check the weather every day. Uh, it's There's a reason that the weather is a huge part of everybody's newscast. Everybody used to have to have it because they were farmers or agricultural, uh, living off the land type people. And that's how we all paid attention to what was going to go on that day. If we don't do that, then we're still going to run into trouble. We've become accustomed to going from house to work where we're inside, inside. Uh, we're inside a house, inside a vehicle, and inside a workplace, so we don't think about it. But uh, a weather-related app, and just look at it every day, is a fantastic thing. So to round this out, let's let's take a look at the P, which is make a plan. David? Do you care to go over that one? Or you want me to cover it too? Uh, I can cover a little yeah, bit. I'll okay. get us started. Okay, cool. So P is for planned. So based on what we've already 
uh, observed and what you've thought and the gear that you have, the zones of assessment, how you feel, all of that, what you have, what you need. Now it's time to make a plan. So my suggestion is to keep it simple. Set small, specific goals and set yourself up for simple successes. And I can't emphasize this enough. If you make a big, complicated plan, chances are it's it's going to either fail or you're going to have to adapt that immediately anyway. So keep it small, keep focused, and get some wins under your belt. There's a couple of situations you may be in. You, it, you may need a solo plan, and that's fairly easy to execute, although you don't have the input of others to help you in the stressful situation. And then you may be with a group or, or just one other person. Frankly, for myself, I find, especially if it's somebody that is fairly capable or I trust their judgment, uh, and I've been in these situations quite frequently where something changes. We've talked about the critical rule of threes before. Something's just not quite right, and I, I don't observe it, but somebody else does. And leaning on their experience and their intuition is helpful in situations, but it really depends. Groups can also be very complicated. But the bottom line is make a simple plan and uh, execute that. Craig, do you have anything else? Yeah, one thing jumps out here, and and I just go back to training and the way that we do it is in all my survival classes, I have a test at the end, and they have to perform a certain amount of tasks at the end. And and our program up in, in PA with you guys was was right along those same lines. But one thing that I always require our students to do before the test starts is I require them to sit down and go through STOPA uh, before they start the exercise at all, because it's easy when, and it's, it's just simulated stress. When I put people in a competition based environment and they've got certain tasks, whether they're competing with against others, which they're not in our class, but, but when they're competing against themselves, they start to get that stress. And so I force them to do STOPA in the midst of that stress. One thing that comes up that I want to bring up, and I think it's worthwhile of a discussion because we talked about this topic in the last podcast a bit, is that I often see people uh, designating a team leader. And, you know, you're, you're looking to someone as being the leader. And this is why the military does it, because we need to know under stressful conditions, you listen to that guy. And if there's confusion, you still listen to that guy. No matter what he's saying, you listen to him because that's the way it has to be. It has to be that way. If there's an opportunity for discussion, we have discussion. But when it, when it's incredibly stressful and things are of an imminent danger, you've got to listen to whoever that person is and, and let them make the decisions and everybody else has a role. Here's what happens a lot. People would designate a young person in training to be a leader. Okay, I think that's a huge mistake. I think that's a huge mistake. I think there's plenty of opportunities in life to have youth develop leadership skills. My wife just got home, and she's been doing that, teaching that for two hours in the local school system. Okay, there, there's a way to do that. Okay, you can find that way to work with your own children or find leaders to mentor your children, help them become leaders if you don't feel you're comfortable doing that. But that is not the time for somebody that thinks they want to be a leader to be a leader. So the time to develop leadership skills is now, meaning pick up a book on leadership development, listen to other podcasts on leadership. There's some really good ones on by Jocko Willink out there. I love listening to his. Uh, he's got some fantastic leadership podcasts. It's just phenomenal. Uh, 
man, I'd love to get him on this podcast someday. When uh, you develop these leadership abilities and you have a leader, then you also, in the group setting, you need to give tasks to everyone in the group and make sure that you keep up with them. What that does is that if you have a task for everybody that doesn't give them that time to sit there and wallow in their misery and get overly concerned or stressed or make things make the situation worse in their mind, give them something to do, even if it's simple, I want you to take those pebbles right there and move them right over there and then move them back. I mean, even if it's just continue to stack that firewood better than you've ever seen it before or tell us a story or whatever, just give somebody a task and, and, and make sure they get with it in these groups. That's really good stuff, Craig. And it's interesting when we run those, those drills and when you run those drills, it's inevitable that the team first out of the gates that's, that's running and, and trying to accomplish their tasks, that's normal. That's usually not the team <laughs> that, that ends up accomplishing the task in the, the most efficient or safe way. And hey, let so me, I can't, let me throw something in here about that. Cause I mean, and we've highlighted this and David's had it in, in his videos and we have a good laugh at it, but this is a very important thing to remember what David is saying. One of the things that we can add to that, that I can add to that is one of the things that we've noticed in training is that, and, and not to give too much of our training away because it's important to experience it than just hear about it. But we have a fire building portion of every class, a wilderness class, and every class we're going to pour water or kick somebody's fire out. We're just going to put it out, okay? <laughs> and what we've noticed, and in, in, when I say we, the David and Clint and I have taught classes together in Pennsylvania for three or four years. I've been doing this since 2006. What I've noticed is that the people that go, hey, what are you doing? Don't do that. Those people never win. They never get the, they, they really struggle with it. And the people that don't even blink, and just get right back to building the fire are the ones that always get the task done. And that's why I wrote a whole chapter. In my mind, that's ego. Okay, that's all ego. Uh, those persons that don't have problems, they just, all right, the fire's out. Okay, time to get it going again. Those are the people that have that know how to have control of their ego. And by controlling your ego, which I wrote a whole chapter about in my first book, Extreme Wilderness Survival, then you are able to control that situation and not allow it to stress you. And that is vital. I mean, I've seen it happen. Uh, I've trained federal law enforcement officers and first responders in disaster readiness. We've done that to them. And I can tell you from experience that some of the best of the best in the world, because a lot of those guys are former special forces, both Army and Navy, um, when bad stuff happens and and stress happens, they don't even blink. If the fire goes out, then they just, they get back to starting a fire. And I think that's a good lesson for all of us. So Craig, you want to take us into A? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, a, um, it's kind of hard to teach this concept, but I just say actively stay alive. I think uh, some other people just say act. Uh, it, it's not important what it is, but what it is important to remember is what we're doing here is we're actively staying alive in our mind, meaning we don't want to give up. We want to keep going. We don't want to be in a situation where uh, we're starting to feel sorry for ourselves. Uh, this does a couple things. You, you can serve energy this way. If you're constantly in physical activity, then you're going to be burning a lot of calories and burning a lot of energy. You don't want to do that. What you want to do is actively stay in your mind, uh, actively stay alive in your mind so that you can make conscious and good decisions and 
very importantly, you want to be able to take care of doing the same for the people that are around you. So you want to be an encourager when you can. If you've got a child that's crying or if you've got somebody that says, we're going to die, we're going to die, we're going to die, then you, that's focusing on the negative. And that's uh, a mental health counselor that uh, that's one of our students. He's got a master's degree in mental health counseling. One of the things that he references is what he calls ants. And a lot of people have automatic negative thoughts. Those are ants in situations. These are the people that the glass is half empty. And we're going to die, we're going to die, we're going to die. And if you have that kind of person in your family or in the group that you're currently in, then you need to tell them the best way to handle these automatic negative thoughts is to is to tell them that that is one way of looking at the problem. Offer them a more positive solution and tell them to focus on that. So if they're having a negative, automatic negative thought, no, that firewood's not going to work, it's not going to burn, then show them how to find firewood that will burn. Or, no, we don't have a tow strap. We're not going to be able to get out of here. Then tell them, hey, we'll find somebody and they'll be able to have a tow strap for us or what have you. I mean, this this way you can apply this concept of whether it's a wilderness, rural area, or an urban area. Does all that make sense to you, David? I mean, that's, okay. That makes great sense. Okay, good. That's a really nice systematic way to apply this. I'm going to throw one more thing in here. Yeah. This is a real game changer in my opinion. Because you see this all the time and you actually kind of mentioned it. I want to challenge you guys to think back to that situation and then and then pay it forward and, and start applying this to your life. Do you tend to go towards the negative when a crisis happens or it doesn't even have to be a crisis. It can just be a stressful situation. It could be a, it could be a flat tire. It could be snow on the road or somebody just tweaks you the wrong way. Do you tend towards negative thinking? I just want to challenge you guys, and this is a constant challenge for me, is to observe that situation. How did you respond? Practice the positive, celebrate small wins, and especially, especially practice thankfulness. Stuff is going wrong and it it just happens. It's just, it's called life. Look for that one positive thing. We've had some miserable miserable trainings, cold, wet, rainy, fires won't start, uh, things like that. And and you kind of reminded me, uh, let's just say it's it's wet and rainy and you're outside and the weather's terrible. What might be something that you could pull positive out of that? Well, uh, I like to say when it comes to rain that some people get wet and other people know how to feel the rain. That's a mindset development. And if, you know, what is, what's, the, there's a quote about there is no bad weather. There's just the right clothes, some variation <laughs> of it. Yeah. Getting out and experience it, it is one thing, but another one is that if it is raining, then particularly in a training environment, and this is different than the real world, but in a training environment, this is where you get to test your skills and it is a training opportunity. And you recognize that in that situation, Hey, if you if you had to do it again, you've experienced some of the worst situation you could possibly have, and then you'll be good to go if it's any better than that. I think back to a training I did with some federal first responders back in the fall where it literally rained for seven days that we were there. It was seven days of training, daylight to dark, and actually some after dark. I, I mean, it literally rained 24 hours a day the whole time we were there. There was one day for about three hours that it didn't rain. And there were some of those guys that immediately, like two weeks after the class, just by sheer coincidence, got deployed to handle the hurricane situation in Florida and get people out. 
Okay. And the, the, everything where they were was destroyed. I had two or three of those guys. Actually, there were three total that emailed me and go, Craig, I can't thank you enough for you and the, and the other instructors. It wasn't just me. It was other instructors involved as well that you taught us how to deal with being in the rain and we were ready for it, you know, get out and do it and, and, and be ready for it. That's the biggest thing I can pull out of it and, and just be okay with the rain. Rain's okay. Just recognize it's an environmental concern that you need to address and just don't just hate it because if you just hate it, then it's a negative connotation and, and it's hard to get your mental self out of that. Yep. So recognize any tendencies to go towards the negative and just intentionally look for one thing in whatever situation you're in that's positive and uh, celebrate that win. So Craig, I want to just transition into our next segment now where we take a look at stories from our experiences, sometimes from history or recent news for the purpose of breaking it down and learning from it. Guys, we recognize that hindsight's 2020, and we are not here to negatively criticize people in these stories. We've all had good and bad experiences that we've learned from, but our intent here is to use these stories as an instructional tool to learn from. With that said, let's go into this story and break it down. Our story is one that a lot of people already know, but I want to give us an opportunity to discuss it from a survival perspective and not just what happened. But Aaron Ralston will forever be known as the guy who cut his hand off to escape a climbing accident that left him trapped between two boulders. Ralston was climbing in the Blue John Canyon in Utah solo, alone. And as he shimmied down a canyon, a boulder came loose and trapped his hand. No one knew he was there, and he only had a little bit of water and a little bit of food. It was up to him to rescue himself. He struggled there for three days before deciding to self-amputate his arm in order to extricate himself. But after two days of trying various methods, he nearly gave up. At this point, he was out of water and surviving on his own urine. That is, until an idea came to him on day six. He could amputate a portion of his arm much easier if he could only break his radius and ulna. After an hour of work with a cheap multi-tool, he had amputated his hand successfully and had to still get back to his vehicle, descending a 65-foot wall with one hand. He was eventually discovered by a European family on a campout, and six hours after his self-amputation, he was rescued by authorities. He was found just in time out. Ralston had actually was on the brink of death from blood loss. He survives today, still taking outdoor expeditions and climbing adventures when not giving speeches or having movies made about his life. So I would like to discuss this story, David. What's one point that you can come up with about this that you like or dislike? Wow. I mean, this is... You know this story, right? I have heard this story. Okay. Okay. Good, good, good. But I cringe. I cringe every time I even think of the story. I mean, for obvious reasons. Amputating your own hand is, is... that's crazy. But this is this is real survival here. I mean, this this happened. The one thing that stands out to me is that he he did what he needed to do to survive. I mean, that's that's the bottom line. Honestly, there's a whole industry based on complicating survival, right? Yeah, and, I agree. And when it comes right down to it, you're going you've said this before. You're going to default to your level of training, right? So if you're not trained, you're going to use what you have and you know, I I have no idea what his level of training was, but all he knew is what he had to do. I mean, he survived as long as he could 
in the situation he was, and it was it was perilous, and he had to absolutely am- amputate his hand. He's not a surgeon, but he figured it out. So I just I just want to make sure that people don't complicate survival. And I think that's where like all the gear in the world and and you know trainings trainings good and all that, but there's a simplicity to survival. And honestly, there's a lot that you can learn out there in the field based off of what you already know. Yeah, and, I, and this is this story is one of those, and the Chris McCandless story are is another one. If you don't know who that is, we'll cover that another time too. But people that spend a lot of time outside generally look upon those guys as idiots. And I'm not trying to be harsh. I'm just trying to be realistic in that there's so many reasons that so many bad decisions that were made by this person that put him in a position where he had to do something where he cut his own arm off. Um, He didn't tell anybody where he was going. He went solo doing a dangerous task. And I'm not, and again, I'm not saying that we should not do adrenaline fueled activity. I still do them. I just have backup plans if things go wrong. And I tell people where I'm going and when I expect to return home. If he had done that simple thing, Hey, I'm going to be on the side of the boulder in this general area uh, on this day and I will be out by dark or whatever he was going to do, then he would not have cut his arm off and I'm calling him out on it. You know, I mean, I, I, I don't like to, I mean, people get, this guy gets a movie made of himself because he made a stupid decision that bothers me. Uh, it's just not exciting. It's not entertaining. It's not enriching at all to, to make a movie of a guy that calls his wife and says, Hey, I'm going on the back of the farm today to work on fence. If I don't come back by dark, um, please let somebody know because that's not exciting. But that's how we should be. That's a great point, Craig. And that's, that's again, again, we're back to the critical rule of threes and how to keep yourself out of a crisis or a problem to start with. Uh, you know, yeah, I mean, there's, there's no excitement to the guy on the farm, you know, the back 40 or, or all that because he never got into a, a problem or a situation. So am I getting? Am I being a meanie for calling this guy out? You think? I think sometimes that we can glorify and romanticize some of this activity outdoors, and I don't think we should have glorified this guy. I just don't think that Hollywood should have done it, and I think that was a huge mistake because that let people know that hey, they can go out and risk stuff and maybe cut their own arm off, and they'll actually end up being okay when actually most of those people are going to die. And so I, I think the glorification of that is a problem. So, yeah, maybe it was a little harsh, but okay. <laughs> I think he deserves it. Well, you you did some good self-analysis there. We do glorify. I, I mean, I, I just look at the survival show industry now, and there there are things that are being done and shown that really should not be. And I don't want to get off on that tangent, but it, it's it's just the place that our culture our, our culture's at. I mean, that that's what brings in views. That That's what brings in advertising dollars. And it's, it's not necessarily helpful for people, although maybe entertaining. Yeah. It, you know, who was it? Was it Cody Lundin that said that all this stuff is becoming uh, edutainment where it's actually entertainment, but they're masking it as education. And ah, I think he's dead on with that. Okay. So in the mailbag, I've got a question from Mike J. And he asks, how much should I spend on a knife considering 
I may have to depend on it in an emergency. I see all these videos, best survival knife under $20. Is a survival tool really something you want to cheap out on? Craig? Oh, man, it's a hard one, David. I got something. You want to start this one out? Yeah, you better, because I, I better play off of you on this one, because I don't <laughs> okay. want to hurt some feelings, and maybe yours, So I don't, I, and I don't want to do that. Okay, so I've got one to start this off, Craig. Uh, my good friend, Jeff Freeman at Freeman Outdoor Gear, and the co-designer with me with the MSK1 knife, he said to me once, and this really stuck with me, the best survival knife that you have is the one that you have on you when you need it. I think there's some clarity to that, in that you want to be as as best prepared as you can you want to have a tool and use tools that you're familiar with. And hey, you know what? You can get a rock and sharpen a butter knife if you need to. Now, I'm not, I'm not condoning getting cheap junk tools, but what I would say is get the best tools in general that are the most helpful tools, and this would include a knife, that you can afford and that work for you. Craig, do you have anything to add to that? Yeah, I think I I feel comfortable in agreeing with with everything you just said and and just to reiterate it a bit. I think sometimes we and this is a real problem in the survival industry. We think the solution to our problems is gear and mm-hmm. it's not. That's a good point. The answer to our problems is is mindset, skills, tactics and then gear. And the more we emphasize that in our training, the more we emphasize that in our study, the more we emphasize that when we're actually putting ourselves to the test, then the better off we're going to be for a true survival situation. What has happened is that people have made a hobby out of survival. And so when it comes to a knife, to get real specific, no, you're not going to be able to get an incredibly quality tool for less than $20. Uh, and I say that it might work just fine in a, you know, in a herbaceous stem environment, not a woody stem environment. But if you get a, a Mora, Mora, you can get a Mora companion for 15 bucks. Great knife. Can't recommend them enough. If that's all the money that you have, then get a Mora. But I'm telling you, if you use a Mora in a hardwood environment, like we have in Kentucky, where most of the woods are red oaks, hard oaks, uh, hickories even, and you, don't use that perfectly well each time, which is what happens when people are under stress of survival, then that knife's gonna, not going to come through for you. It's just not. And so I'm not calling out Mora in particular. I'm just saying you need to do exactly what David di- David said, which is find the knife that fits your budget. And then the key is spend money on training if you don't know how to train yourself. Uh, get the education. Uh, get the YouTube education, get the, the online education, pick up a book. And I'm not just saying my book, pick up other books. If you like a guy that writes books and it's not me, then get his books. And knives go the same way. If you want to support an entity or a person because you like how they think, then support them and buy their knife. I mean, but just get what works in your budget. But the key is get out with it. Uh, I tell people all the time, uh, if their knife doesn't have a little bit of a rust spot on it, it's either stainless steel or it's not being used properly. Uh, it needs, it, it's just, it, 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 it's, it either has some sort of coating on it, it's stainless steel or it's not being used. And if it's not being used, then that's not what a knife is designed to be. Uh, when I was building knives and selling them years ago, hand making knives, forging and everything, uh, I told people, I want you to break this thing. And if it breaks, just call me back and I'll make you another one. I mean, 
that that you need to get out and use your tools. That's that's vitally vitally important. What uh, does that bring up? Any thoughts to you, David, to to summarize this up for us? I think we're in total agreement. I think you piggybacked right on where where I started, and I don't really have much more to add to that, Craig. I, okay, I think you good. covered covered it really good. And well, that we makes me have... excited. <laughs> you know why? Why? Because we're going into the new segment, man, and I'm excited about this new segment. That's awesome. And our new segment is Thumbs Up, Thumbs Down. All right, so what we're going to do, you guys that are listening, is we're going to be calling this Thumbs Up or Thumbs Down segment because, well, quite frankly, uh, we think it gets the message across. But what we want to do is pick out something related to survival. It might be a tactic. It might be a mindset. It might be a skill. But more often than not, we're going to be pulling out some ideas on gear because everybody likes gear, as do I as well. And we're going to give it a thumbs up or a thumbs down from both David and myself and give a few thoughts as well. So uh, today, what I pulled out uh, to discuss is micro survival kits, the small kits. With that in mind, David, thumbs up or thumbs down, and why do you feel that way? Micro survival kits. I thought you said micro survival kits. (laughs) (laughs) Micro. Man, we need to get micro on here too. Micro. Mike, shout out to Mike. I have my gear tears mug here. Uh, hat tip to Ben Shapiro <laughs> for, the, for the idea. And I am generally, and I'm going to define, maybe I'm not going to define micro survival kits. I am going to give a general thumbs down to micro survival kits. What? Are you serious? I am serious. <laughs> now, okay, not, I... not to not to give it away, but I'm going to give it a thumbs down too. So go for it. I want to hear your thoughts on this. <laughs> really, you you threw me, man. I thought you were going to give it a thumbs up. Well, I knew you were going to give it a thumbs up. <laughs> I wanted to choose one that I knew we disagree with one another on. <laughs> that's oh, that's awesome. All right, go tell me why. Okay, so I'm just defining micro survival kits as. Mostly what we see, and I'm going to say mostly, I had to give it a general thumbs down because I think there are some good micro survival kits. My definition, though, stems off of like kind of maybe the Walmart, the Amazon cheap gimmicky survival kits that have a lot of stuff in there that you probably would never need, but it looks really cool and it gives you a sense of, of, I'm going to say false, even false security. So that's why I gave it a general thumbs down. Now, there are some good micro survival kits. In fact, I worked with Wazoo Survival Gear, and I want to just big thumbs up to what the guys over at Wazoo. Yeah, and I, like I worked guys. with they're, they're good yeah, to talk to, too, man. They're, they're, they're good great guys. guys. Chat with they're you. great guys. I worked with them for almost three years to come up with our micro survival kit for the handle of the MSK1 survival knife. And I'm actually holding right now version two that is essentially the same with a uh, cutting tool, which is a razor blade. And added to that are some aqua tabs. And that will release that sometime early next year. So that's why I gave it a general thumbs down. And I'm not here to you know push push my own stuff, but I basically came up with that kit 
with them because I couldn't find anybody that was doing micro survival kits. One, like they did, which they're totally legit. And uh, two, uh, I, I couldn't, uh, I wanted, I wanted something like this. So we came up with it. So what do you say, Craig? I'm I'm of the same opinion. Uh, there are some good micro survival kits. I know uh, I reviewed one that I think is Creek Stewart's. Uh, I think that's where I got that thing, um, and I reviewed it. I thought it was a really good kit, and uh, I, some of the agents that we've trained there issued a micro survival kit that I helped design. And so that micro survival kit, obviously, because I helped design it, I think it's a good one. But I would go back to exactly what you said first, which is the majority of them are are terrible, just straight up terrible. Um, it's just a bunch of who can uh, they they ha- they start off with a good idea, and then when they start sourcing these things out, they end up realizing to get good kit material you've either got to work incredibly hard to find it inexpensive or you just find a cheap option and and they end up filling these things up with cheap options and and golly um first aid kits are worse i mean they end up being full of the stupidest stuff of uh (laughs) and just yeah is that that craig i I love that we never we never question where you're at (laughs) what your opinion is about anything (laughs) hey man I, I, in all seriousness, I mean, this is survival, right? And I, and I know it's a hobby for people, but I take my job very seriously. I know people are going to listen to my information and it might save their life someday. And so, uh, I, I just, I see these people making these mistakes because I have people come to class so often that have bought one of the kits that you're describing. That's terrible. Or, uh, or, you know, another one, like you mentioned, that's a big Amazon seller or whatever. And I'll say, okay, let's, you know, make, make a day of it with that thing and see what happens. And, uh, and it's, it's just a good lesson learned, which is, which I'm very thankful that people get out and try that stuff with their kit. Uh, that's the key is, is you'll hear that being a theme of everything I do. Everybody, uh, is if you get a micro survival kit, it's not one of those things because it's so beautifully packaged and there's 45 million things in it and you're never going to get them back in there. Right. If you don't get out and practice that, you wasted your time because you're going to find parts of it don't work. Uh, you're going to find things that you don't know what it is, and that's just wasted stuff. So get out and practice with your kits, no matter what you get. That's great stuff, Craig. All right, guys. Well, we're not totally done yet, but I want to thank you. I want to thank you, thank you, thank you for your amazing response to this podcast. I just want to mention here, Craig, that amazing. I don't even exactly know how it works, but we have made it our first week. We made it to the top 10 in our category, and that's with some podcasts that have hundreds and hundreds of episodes and have been around for a long time. And this past week, we actually made it to the sixth position. So thank you guys for that. Thank you for your response. Golf clap to everybody listening. Yeah, thank you for supporting. (laughs) Really appreciate it in all seriousness. Yeah, and I want to just encourage you guys, if if you're getting valuable information to yourself out of this podcast, please, please, please share it on social media. Go over to Patreon, and I'm just going to talk a little bit about the $1 level. Now, even before I do that, we have some stuff up there that's for free. Like, it costs you nothing. We've got some show notes up there. You can go check it all out you can check out the show notes for the first couple of shows and just that alone see if it's worth 25 cents a week <laughs> come on you, you all it's a quarter go <laughs> dig in your couch right now 
<laughs> come up with a quarter for this month, and then there'll be more quarters there next month, I think. So come up with a dollar a month. We really appreciate it. Uh, we like win-win, so we appreciate uh, you helping us win as well. Let me just talk for a minute about the nomad level. Here's where you can gain access to ask ask us questions for the show. Nomad level, you all. One dollar. Uh, I would just right. want to make that clear. Yeah. It's just one. What David's talking about, this is what you get for one dollar a month. <laughs> 25 cents a week. Uh, you also get access to the show notes. And just remember, guys, our concept for this whole show is to progressively take you through skills for life, skills for survival, and all of that. And with the show notes, you can print those out. And also you get gear checklists. And, you know, we'll add some stuff to the $1 level as we go. There's other levels. There's the scout level, the martial level, and the warrior level. Anything else to say about that $1 level, guys? No, man. I just, again, just we're building a community here. You're getting ready to be part of something big. There's a lot more coming to this. So anybody that's in there... Uh, we're actually talking just a little secret behind the scenes discussion. Uh, we were discussing before we got on today about how we can help take care of you all even more. So uh, we're figuring out things that are going to be coming to those that support us uh, in, in the way of, uh, of cool stuff, really cool stuff. And so uh, this is all so new to us, so we're trying to work. I mean, I, the way David and I usually work together on projects like this is that we come up with incredibly strong concept, which I think we've done. Uh, we start working with it and, and we put a lot of time and effort into making it high quality. And then we really pay attention to what you all want. And we're, our goal is to feed you all the survival uh, food that you need. So uh, the more supporters that we have that give us feedback and, and give us those questions and say, hey, I'm interested in this, then we're going to take care of you because you're taking care of us. Because if you help us make a great show, then then we're going to do what what we can to take care of you as well because it's it's all about us helping one another and doing win-wins. And if everyone listening here would kick in at that $1 level, that would help us out a lot. I just want to let you guys know that um, right now I'm, I'm self-financing this. We're all donating, essentially donating our, our time. And the real, real cost of this podcast is is pretty well, pretty much well over about $1,000 a week to, and you know that's that's it takes time to produce this stuff it takes, it takes time to get our guests it takes time to put together the notes for you guys and all the other stuff that goes into this the patreon levels so uh, help us out help yourself out go over to patreon.com the survival show fantastic so coming up next time on the survival show podcast guess what we've got about four topics brewing on four different eyes of the stove right now so we i can't tell you Oh my gosh, we've got a list of shows that we want to do, and and again, our, our this is this is a good problem to have. We're trying to figure out the best way to get the information to you and the ones that you all are requesting. So we obviously have a list of things that we want to do, but uh, I don't know what's coming up next. So check in; it'll be Matt Graham, or it might be uh, <laughs> I don't know. So yeah, uh, that's all coming up soon. So subscribe to the podcast now, wherever you are listening to us, whether that's on iTunes or Google Play or Spotify. I listened to us on Spotify this morning uh, early, and that way it's 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 just simple, guys. It's free to do that. Uh, we definitely appreciate the dollar, but at the same time, we're throwing this free stuff out on the podcast for you to, so that you don't miss out on this or any episodes. So just go ahead and, and subscribe, and that way you're notified when new stuff comes up. Let's do a spoiler here. You want to tell the guys what we're coming up with for midweek podcasts? 
Mm, yeah, you go ahead. No. <laughs> okay. Forget about no, no, no. I think it's good. I'm, I'm trying to be trying to be funny. <laughs> yes. Okay. So here, here's the idea, guys. And we're fleshing this out. And I'm going to throw this at you. And if you've got some comments, then throw them back at us uh, in the comments over on Patreon or any way you can get in contact with us. Smoke signal, whatever works best for you. And and what we're going to do is we're going to throw out some more podcasts each week. We don't know how many that's going to be right now, but we're looking at doing some shorter segments where they're a little bit more easily digestible so that you can listen to them quickly. We're going to do be adding in some inspirational and woods walk type stuff. Uh, obviously, some discussions on gear and stuff of that nature that are going to be in that 10, 15 minutes of easily digestible stuff for those of you who've got that quick listen at lunch or something of that nature. Because again, that's that's something that's come up as a request. We're making it known to you all that we're listening to you all. We're trying to, no, we're not trying. We are doing everything we can to put a quality uh, podcast and, and entity together here at the Survival Show. So be looking for those in the very near future. Matter of fact, I might go out and do one of those tomorrow and get started because I want to go ahead and get get started and and get it out there but um you can also click the link to the video description to grab your copy of the show notes which uh, again i keep saying this but they're fantastic they got all the links to everything that you could imagine from the show discussing the mindset skills tactics action steps kit checklist and links to gear discussed on today's show today so look at that description below and go over to patreon one more time go over to patreon.com forward slash the survival show and unlock exclusive subscriber rewards just for you all that are supporting us financially. And uh, we love you being part of the community, and we love being a part of the community with you. Uh, there's training videos there, new resources, gear that we're developing, and a whole lot more, and a lot of cool stuff. Man, I want to tell them about all the cool stuff, but I just can't yet. But uh, all right, guys, I think that's it. So thanks for listening. We'll hear you or see you next time on the Survival Show Podcast. <laughs>